Well, I've heard bells and I believe it's time for us to start. Welcome everyone. Welcome to First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. My name's Mike Marshall. I'm one of the associate pastors here and it's a pleasure to welcome you to worship today. For all of you who are with us online, it's great to see you. And yes, we can see you very specifically. We're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you for letting us know by using the way that you can check in on your device. Friends right here in the sanctuary, so good to see you. Thank you for finding the attendance pad, signing that, sharing it with others. You know, on the first Sunday after Easter, sometimes to share the pad with somebody else in your row, you kind of have to go a distance to do that. So thank you for going above and beyond. Uh, we are thrilled that you are here today. Uh, there are two things I want to tell you about. The first thing is going to happen on Thursday evening, May 5th. This is going to be in Leonard Memorial Chapel. And this is going to be a very important time for anyone who's dealing with the death of a child or issues of infertility. Uh, this is going to be called Children Loved and Longed For. And it's going to be led by Reverend DeAndrea Dare, who has a, a group called A Memory Grows. And they have been so helpful to so many families in our church, in our community. And there'll be more information about this, but in your minds, uh, put Thursday evening, May 5th, 7 p.m. Leonard Memorial Chapel. Now, the day after May 5th is Friday, May 6th. And Dr. B, do you know what's going to happen on Friday, May 6th? Dr. B, Dr. do you know what's going to happen on Friday, May 6th? Not, not really. No. Okay, well, the, okay, this is coming from the guy who, remember back in the fall when uh, when Tim Brewster, our co-senior pastor, when he was announcing his retirement that is going to happen at the end of June, at the time in the fall, you said, you know, I bet in the spring people are going to come up to me and just say, are you still here? Has anybody been doing that? Okay. So you can use that line anytime you want to, but you can especially use that line if you're willing to join us on Friday evening, May 6th, at the uh, Worthington Renaissance Hotel. You see uh, the slide on the screen. It's going to be, there are going to be a series of celebrations of Tim's ministry with us and among us. And that one is going to be distinctive because it's going to have food and dancing and all kinds of buffoonery. It's going to be wonderful. And so if you haven't had a chance to make your reservation, I encourage you to go on our church's website and just look for the retirement celebration for Dr. Brewster. And please do uh, get your tickets. I think you have one more week to do that. I believe the dead line is next Sunday, May 1st. So, um, it's going to be a great celebration, and the reason is your ministry has been so important among us. Well, now we have the opportunity to prepare our hearts and our minds for worship through the music of our bell choir.
What a great way to begin worship. Well, in just a moment, we're going to be singing hymn number 327, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Before that, I invite you to stand as you are able so that we can join together in our call to worship. You'll see the words on the screens and on your device at home. We need your presence on the long road, Lord, the road between fear and hope the road between the place where all is lost and the place of resurrection. Like the disciples walking the road to Emmaus, we are in need of your company. Jesus, stand among us in your risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour.
throughout our area and throughout the world as we affirm our faith together as Christians. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. friends, friends here in the sanctuary, friends joining us online. My name is Mark Burroughs, a.k.a. Mr. Mark, and I get to be the children's minister at the most amazing church. And one of the things that we sometimes do is we ask questions and hard questions. And so that's what we're going to do today. It's going to consist of a question, a Bible story, a thought, and a quote. But first, the questions, and it's kind of in three parts. Would we recognize the face of love if it was looking right at us? Would we recognize the voice of love if it was speaking directly to us? And would we recognize the embodiment of love if it was walking right beside us? So those are the questions we'll ask as we do a Bible story. Let me get my readers now. This is a group participation Bible story, duh, because it's me. So this one is based on a story that you're going to hear a, a larger version of that goes into more detail called Walking to Emmaus. And we're going to do it like that old uh, game called Going on a Bear Hunt. So we're all going to pat in a rhythm. Some of us know Going on a Bear Hunt really well. And I'm going to say something, then you're going to repeat it. Got it? So you have to repeat me while patting. So let's start with a patting to a steady beat. Everybody pat together. Oh man, and we don't want to get too fast, like we're at a Rangers game, or too slow, just, but just right, okay? Repeat after me, here we go. Walking to Emmaus. Walking to Emmaus. On a dusty road. On a dusty road. Feeling very sad. Feeling very sad. Without our Jesus. Without our Jesus. That's when we see a friendly, a friendly stranger can't walk around him, can't, walk around him. Can't, ignore him. can't ignore him. Let's walk with him. Let's walk with him. And we walk, 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 walk. 
This is fun. You're very good at this, by the way. <laughs> Walking to Emmaus. With the, With the stranger, feeling so sad, feeling so sad. That, Jesus died. that Jesus died. The stranger reminds us, stranger reminds us of, the of the scriptures, how Jesus did, how Jesus did. what he had to do. Can't ignore him. Can't argue with him. Better listen to him. And we listen. And we listen. Sometimes we need it really quiet to listen. And then we pat. Walking to Emmaus. We reach, our home. we reach our home. Then we invite, then we invite. The, stranger in. the stranger in. We're so hungry. We get some bread. Can't just keep it. We've got to share it. Let the stranger bless it. He blesses the bread and he hands it out. That's when we know the stranger is Jesus. Then he's, then he's gone in the blink of an eye. Of an eye. Uh, but now we know, now we know. Jesus' love Will always, be. will always be. Can't stay sad. Can't stay silent. Gotta shout praises. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. And blow on your palms because I bet they're pretty warm by now. Yeah, so that wonderful story. And so the, going back to the questions, would we recognize the face of love if it was looking right at us? The disciples had a hard time with that. Would, the would we be able to hear the voice of love if it was speaking directly to us? The disciples had a hard time with that. Would we be able to recognize the embodiment of love if it was walking right next to us? Even the disciples who had just been with Jesus seven days ago, didn't recognize him until, and three amazing things happened. Everybody say, number one. number one. The first one was hospitality. They opened up their home. They welcomed love in. They were sad. They were looking down. And then they said, hey, you want to come in and have something to eat? We're hungry. I bet you're hungry. Come join us. Let's break bread together. Just being open, having our homes open, the idea of hospitality, of welcome, that was the first chance. That was that turning point when they said, oh, maybe there's a chance that they're going to see the face of love. But then there was something else. Say, number two. And that is gratitude, thankfulness, having a thankful heart. 
It's hard to just be just down and out the whole, no, we get to feel sad. We get to feel all our feels. But when we have a heart of gratitude, and in some versions of scripture, it actually said, it doesn't say that Jesus blessed the bread. It said, when Jesus had given thanks. And that's when the disciples recognized him, that idea of having gratitude. But then number three, is just openness, is not being, looking down the whole time, but looking around, taking in the world, and not being so sure that we have all the answers already. The disciples couldn't see love because they knew the story. Why, eh, Jesus, we saw Jesus die. Some women said they saw an empty grave. We don't, we don't know if we believe that. We're just sad. And when we think we've got it all figured out, that's when we're in trouble. But they became open to the possibility that something amazing was going to happen. And they looked up and they knew. And of course, in the blink of an eye, he was gone. But it's those three things. It's hospitality, gratitude, and just pure openness. And we have those three things. Man, we can see love. It's all around us right now. And now I promise to quote, and that'll be it. That was from the Gospel of Luke. And now this is the Gospel according to Ferris Bueller. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Amen. If any children are coming to join us for second hour, come this way. And now let's stand together as we sing Ferris Lord Jesus, number 189.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I'll be reading from the Common English Version of the Bible. Uh, I invite you to read along in your own Bible or in the, uh, one of the Pew Bibles uh, in front of you, the uh, New Revised Standard Version in, that, in those Bibles. The words will also be on the screens. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he's alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Good morning. It's so nice to be with you this morning on what I call Associate Sunday. 
Every associate knows that you have to have at least two sermons in your back pocket. One of those is Epiphany, Sunday after Christmas. The other one is the road to Emmaus, Sunday after Easter. So I am so glad to be here with you on Associate Sunday. I'm Linda McDermott, by the way. Once upon a time, there was a wise fool named Hoja, who had left his village to visit friends in a neighboring town. And having enjoyed himself maybe a little too much, he realized that it had gotten late and he was going to have to go home in the dark. Eventually, he found himself lost and was relieved to see a small fire beside a large gate with a big sentry standing in front of it. Who are you and what are you doing here? The sentry shouted. Hoja was so startled that he couldn't speak. The guard held up his sword aloft and he asked him again, Who are you and what are you doing here? Hoja began to laugh. <laughs> a friend, he said, may I ask you a question? How much do you get paid for standing here all night? The sentry was kind of befuddled. He goes, ah, a denarii, a night? Hoja said, what if I offered you twice that much to come home with me and wake me up? Wake me up every morning with those same two questions. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God. Amen. Who are you and what are you doing here? Not a bad question, especially on the Sunday after Easter. So here we are, and that question resonates with us. Who are you? What are you doing here? It becomes a very deeply spiritual question, really. Look around, let's be honest. We're kind of in the same boat as those disciples after Easter, after all that had happened to Jesus, they're left wondering, has anything really changed? Here was Jesus teaching, preaching. We thought he was the Messiah, but the world continues to be a pretty chaotic and confusing place filled with anxiety and fraught with fear. Not much different for us, is it? We're afraid of our neighbor, of the future. We're afraid of anyone who disagrees with us or has other opinions. We're anxious about climate de de degradation, violence around the world, global food inequity, widening economic disparity, gender inequality, racism, all the isms. We're in a big mess. Speaking of mess, last week Mr. Mark's message for the children was about um, caterpillars and chrysalis and butterflies, and I loved it. I started to think, well, what is inside that chrysalis? What's going on in there? So I Googled it. You can do this. They actually did CT scans so you could see inside the chrysalis, not have to cut it open and kill the butterfly. And do you know what's in there? It's one big, soupy, gooey, chaotic, mess. 
one big soupy chaotic just a mess and yet it reorganizes and evolves into a beautiful butterfly. It reminded me of the first story in uh, Genesis of creation, how the earth was a chaotic, formless void and the spirit of God or the breath of God hovered, hovered over the surface of that soupy, chaotic mess and brought forth new, beautiful, purposeful life. So maybe in this big mess we're in, we find ourselves in a soupy, gooey, chaotic mess that describes our world, maybe it's not such a bad place for the possibility of transformation in our own lives, in our church, in our world, right there in the midst of the mess. We've all kind of been in our chrysalis lately, haven't we? Shut in from the pandemic. But we're also in our chrysalis when we are polarized in our politics and divided in our understanding of God and when we feel helpless in the face of another threat of war and all the horrors it will leave in its wake. Do we, does the church, the body of Christ have anything to say about all this? Do we know who we are and what we're doing here? I'll be honest. When the church becomes a place where divisions and schisms make the headlines, instead of the church being known as a place where the kingdom of God is evident because of its love and compassion, its invitation, its acceptance, its call for justice and healing, when that's not what the church is known for, well, I'll say it's just embarrassing. To any outsider, we look like a self-righteous exclusive club. That's not who we are. And when we try to speak a word about healing or justice or compassion, it looks like a bad joke. So just who are we? And just what are we doing here? Good question. Dr. James Forbes is a retired minister at the Riverside Church in New York City. He once said that if we as individuals and as members of the church, the body of Christ, he said that if we have not been transformed into the image of God at work in this world, then Easter has not completed its work in us yet. Emphasis on yet. In other words, see, since we seem to still be in our soupy, chaotic, chrysalis kind of mess, then we, you and I, we've got work cut out for us. The Easter message has not been completed. It's work in us yet. So here's the question, do we get it? Easter's not an event, it's an experience a transformative experience. Easter is a new lens through which to see the world and ourselves and others and all creation. The lens of God's kingdom where unity and reconciliation, forgiveness, restoration, compassion, justice, that's what is evidence of its presence. So we come to today's story. <laughs> You've heard it twice, I feel like I should preach in rhythm with you, that was fun. 
We come to today's story, two people leaving the mess of Jerusalem and heading out of town to a place called Emmaus. They're upset, weary, disillusioned, depressed, hopeless, you name it. They simply fled that place full of terror and death and fear and headed to the safety of a place so small and insignificant, we can't find any evidence of its existence. Emmaus. A stranger joins them and, pretending ignorance at first, proceeds to tell them how the whole history of the covenant and the prophets and the promises of God are unfolding, have been unfolding in the Jesus story, and it has not been completed yet. And so, when they reach their destination and noticing that the stranger was moving on down the road, it was getting dark, they offered him the gift of hospitality. They invited him in for food and a place to eat. At the supper, when the stranger took the bread and broke it, it all suddenly came together. That's when they knew. That's when the reality of Jesus' life and teachings, his suffering and death, all that mess began to take form and break free from its chrysalis and become beautiful. It was God all along. The same God who made a covenant with Abraham and his people to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. The same God who worked through the prophets to call the people back to the work of justice and mercy and compassion. The same God who in Jesus was in continuing the work of peace and healing that had always been God's purposes and was now at work in the present. It was God all along. And they were suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that they were a part of it. That this love of God was for them and all creation. And then those two tired, despairing people now ran, ran back to Jerusalem in the dark, back into the danger, and back into the mess because that was where they would find new life. Nothing had changed and everything had changed. The lens of Easter revelation clicked. Maybe you've heard of Thomas Merton. He was a Trappist monk who lived in the middle of the last century. He was particularly influential in social justice movements. As a young adult, well, let's just say, and this is by his own admission, that he um, was rather wild and misdirected. And even, he said, after becoming a priest, he still had this enormous ego and ambition to go along with it. But one ordinary day, he was just out running errands. That all changed. There's a sign on a street corner in Louisville, Kentucky, that marks the spot where Merton's life took a dramatic change. It clicked. And here's what he wrote about that. At the corner of Fourth and Walnut, at the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people, that they were mine and I was theirs, that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separation, 
of self-isolation. And this sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy, he said, of being a member of a race in which God became incarnate. Now I realize what we all are. We are one. If only everybody could realize this. That is the lens of Easter, and it clicked for him, and it can click for us. It all made sense. The interconnectedness of all things and all creatures and all persons. Who are we, and what are we doing here? Easter asks that question of us every day as we walk through our own ordinary lives of work and carpools and meetings and deadlines and errands and bills and worries and all the things that call for our attention. Who are we and what are we doing here? Has the Easter message clicked in us yet? I was listening to a podcast the other day, Richard Rohr and Brene Brown. Richard Rohr calls this click the change that changes everything. And in their dialogue between these two, Rohr commented that when we talk about repentance, we get it wrong. What we hear in repentance is guilt and shame, but that, he said, is just the desire to control by church leaders. Redemption is simply the transformation of how you see things, seeing the world through a different illuminating lens, God's world. Brene Brown said, yes, everyone wants transformation, but no one wants to change. Ah, there's the rub, huh? Transformation cannot happen if we aren't willing to let Easter begin to work its magic in us as individuals and as the church, the body of Christ in this world. We must have our own Emmaus experience. We must open ourselves, become vulnerable, let down our defenses, set aside our fastly held opinions to be transformed. Because Easter is not an event that happened a long time ago. Easter is a new lens for seeing our life, who we are, and what we are here for. Easter is real, authentic life. Easter's good news is not simply, do not be afraid to die, but this, do not be afraid to live. And we can be the church, the body of Christ, the followers of the way, even in spite of the obstacles that are that soupy, gooey mess of a world that we live in. We can be the body of Christ in this world because we can now see with the lens of Easter's resurrection. We can see and live out a daily principle for living that embraces all creation with healing and hope. We can do that. That is who we are. And that is what we are doing here. I want to end with a small segment of a poem by Mary Oliver that resonates with this Easter lens. I have edited it quite a bit for time's sake, but I would encourage you to go and read it and other poems 
by Mary Oliver. It's entitled, When Death Comes. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Let us pray. Life-giving God, haunt us with Easter's revelation and invitation to see all of life through a new lens. Awaken us daily with the haunting question, who am I, who are we, and what are we here for? Awaken us to your call to live fully and love recklessly and give what we can and who we are to the purposes of your kingdom, a kingdom for all people and all creation. Without you, we are simply visitors and observers, swept up in the chaos and left exhausted and without hope. But you call us in the midst of the chaos. We know then that Easter is at work in us and in the world, and we get to participate in it. And in so doing, you bring forth beauty and peace and harmony. As followers of the one who gave us just one commandment, that we love one another, we join in one voice to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, I am uh, pleased to uh, make an announcement this morning. Um, as you know, uh, I am retiring July 1st. And uh, as we've approached that time over this last year, the Staff Parish Relations Committee and the staff of the church, we have looked at uh, what uh, our needs are in terms of staffing. And one of those things is uh, service. As you know, when we think about discipleship, we think about all, you know, the six aspects of discipleship that we call a healthy plate. One of those is service. And um, so we have created a position called associate pastor of service uh, that will begin July 1st. And I'm pleased to announce that Reverend Brenda Brooks Alexander will be our new, um, maybe I should say your new, I don't know. Um, still my church, our new, uh, 
associate pastor of, of service. Uh, she comes to us uh, from Campus Drive United Methodist Church, where she has been the pastor for four years. Prior to that, she was an administrator for uh, many years in the uh, Dallas Independent School District uh, and uh, brings a wealth of experience in terms of uh, ministries uh, of outreach. Uh, and also her administrative abilities uh, as an administrator with the school district. There will be an article about her coming out uh, later this week, but let me say that um, I had the privilege as a member of the Board of Ordained Ministry to be on the interview team that approved her for ministry, uh, and uh, she is a delight. Uh, and uh, we, uh, when she walked out of the room where we had interviewed her, we looked at each other and we said, wow. Uh, and, um, and she brings uh, so many gifts and graces, and I know that, uh, that she will be a blessing to this congregation. Dr. B, thank you very much. And as our ushers begin to come forward, I want to remind Dr. Brewster and all of you that uh, even after uh, Tim's retirement, as he continues to be a part of our congregation, Tim, your tithes and offerings will make it possible for Brenda and others on our staff to serve here. And so on behalf of everyone, I just want to thank you for all those future gifts that you will bestow and that you have for so long and that all of you have because any of us who serve on the staff of this church every time possible should say to you thank you thank you for what you do so that we can be part of a team that we hope represents you and represents the kingdom of God. And we are honored to do that. Your gifts this morning, whether you're putting money in the plate or giving online, regardless of how you do that, it makes a difference. And we are grateful. And let me offer a quick prayer. Loving God, you draw us together. You draw us together as your children and bless us so that we can be blessings for others. May we do that in this moment and every moment, and may we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Before Linda's benediction, I want to remind you of two things uh, that you can do here at the close of the service. One is, if you came today wanting to have a word of prayer with someone, uh, Ann Duncan from our Congregational Care Ministry team is over here uh, to my right, to your left, and if you want to come by and say hello to Ann, she would be glad to, to listen to what you have to share and to pray with you. And Ann, thank you very much for that. For those of you who are new among us, we would love to thank you for being here by giving you a gift, a gift for you, a gift for your children. Uh, as you go out uh, to the back of the sanctuary and out to the entry area, if you turn to your left as you go in the garden, you'll see a banner that's called On Ramp. And a number of us will be out there. We would love to meet you. We would love to learn a little bit about you. And we would love to help you become involved in this congregation in ways that you'd like to. So please do come out and see us there. Will you join me in our benediction? Our gathering will soon be ended. Who are we? Where will we, what are we doing here? Where will we go and what will we do? We will go out to be God's people in the world. May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen. Thank you.